Charles McFall here at I Am The Rock Out of Podcasting, and this show is all about asking me the questions and hearing the crazy stories of my life and the views that I have and why I am indeed the Rock Out of Podcasting. We've got another question. Mike, my ever-awesome producer, you are the, the cool version of Alfred to my Batman. Uh, and there are many cool versions of Alfred, so I'm not saying he's a bad version, but there's, yeah, you got it. What, what is the question for today, Mike? Now, Charles, it's you've been quoted as saying that uh, you tend to bend reality to your will. Uh, yeah. what, what the hell, man? What, what, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> All right, so there's there's a number of stories. Um, so at, at one point, The Matrix, I'll go ahead and tell you. I saw Matrix on the opening night. It was, I think, the first movie I ever saw on opening night. is a fluke. Um, I was... I was in a weird transitional phase in my life and had ended up agreeing to help a family move to right outside of Missouri. And uh, was it Kansas City crosses Kansas and Missouri? So I think they were on the Missouri side and they were miserable. That's, that's all. I got so many stories from that trip alone. But they had a, a teenage son and a teenage daughter and I'd been working in the youth group with them at the time. I was 20 something. I don't quite remember. Young 20s. And I agreed to help uh, drive. I could because I could drive large vehicles. I agreed to drive the U-Haul truck for them, and uh, while the dad drove the car, or whatever. Anyway, we're in Kansas City, Missouri, and and the daughter wanted to go out. She had made already made some friends in this new place, and she wanted to go to the movies. So they asked if I would basically watch out after them and. So I said yes, but then I was a horrible chaperone because I let her and her friends go to some stupid-ass movie that I don't remember what was playing. That was like, I am not going to go see that. And just so happened, The Matrix was out. I was like, eh, I don't know. It looked like an action film. I'll check it out. And it was opening weekend. And I went in there by myself. So it's the only time I've ever seen a movie by myself. It's the only time I ever saw a movie opening night. And it changed my world. It's all about perception. I mean, just to the core fundamental, it touched who I was about perception and about seeing the world and just all that jazz. And that was, man, that was early 20s. And so flash forward to all kind of different lessons I've learned. And I could go I could go on about how religion is man-made. Faith is of the universe. Faith is, is of the cosmic fabric of everything that is made. Um, all ancient cultures, all individual cultures have some form of faith and not discounting atheists. And we could have a religious talk at some point. I'm just saying faith is, is inherently built into the fabric of, of what the universe is made out of religion is how we interpret faith and is all man-made and religion builds churches and religion builds walls and religion starts wars and religion apparently funds the all the news cycles in the world and built the internet so we could spread our hate um but that that I, I tied a lot of religion into the matrix you know religion being the people who felt like uh, the matrix was real the people uh, you know agent smith blah 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 Anyway, fast forward to my third child being born, uh, my second son, Ryland. And I, my wife, you know, I was married for many years at that time. And my wife and I, we just really had lots of deep talks and and uh, done a little research into the secret. Everybody uh, who's listening to this, if you don't know what the secret is, you should check it out. There's some movies that are related to it. There is a secret movie 
And it, it, I saw it on Netflix. I, I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but I watched it on Netflix. There's a book, of course. Uh, I enjoyed the movie a little bit better. Uh, some of it's a little cheesy. Some of it you have to be ready to understand. But it's there. And the whole idea of the secret is the law of attraction. Right? It's it's what you put out in the universe you'll bring, you bring back to yourself. And the, <laughs> the cheesy part, I can never, every time I mention the secret, this one scene pops in my head. I'm like, I just want to, Honestly, I just want to bitch slap somebody for this scene. but And it's in the book, too, apparently, because it's the, the voiceover is a female, and the author is female. So it's supposed to be representing the author, I believe. And they're talking about, man, you, you really want that car. And this middle-aged dude sits down in his recliner, and he's having. they're talking about envisioning. Envision how it feels to be in that car. And envision how it 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 is to you know drive the car. And he closes his eyes, and he's in his, his recliner. And, of course, some wind starts blowing because it's a movie, and he feels the wind on his face, right? Envision it. And they're like, envision the rumble of the car. Do you expect sound effects? He's like, but no, it's him in the chair going, vroom, vroom. <laughs> like, what the hell? Oh, my God. This is the dumbest fucking version of envisioning anything in my life. And if you, you, know, if you were a follower of Success Freaks and that's how you do it, I apologize. But for me... You know, that's just not me, man. And I, I just, it took me out of the whole experience very, very quickly. Um, so, but it's talking about uh, feeling things and thinking things and attracting things to you. Another movie that's good to watch is called What the Bleep Do We Know? And again, you have to be ready for some concepts, but that's a very scientific movie about quantum physics and how things are connected. And it's very interesting. Again, some of that, I'm like, hmm. You know, maybe I'm not ready to understand some of it. Some I don't discount any of it. Uh, I just there's parts of like I don't understand that. I'm not either connecting with that. It doesn't ring true for me, or I'm just not ready to hear it. But I went through all of that stuff and read all that stuff, and still, as a man of faith, you went. I see how these things work together, and I do believe in scientific principles that were connected. I mean, we've shown over and over and over again that people are connected. We can affect each other in so many great and horrible ways. It's, it's, it's crazy. And we come to, well, I'll just talk about how my children were born, period. Uh, when a mommy and daddy love each other. No. Uh, <laughs> it's when my wife and I first decided to try to have children, uh, it, the, it took a year and a half to have the first one. She we'd gone through all kind of issues with the birth control that she had had. And it, it I'll be honest, it kind of fucked her up and it, it physically messed her up, uh, as far as, uh, weight gain. And I mean, instantly, I mean, she was taking, I think the depot shots and instantly mood changes that were negative, uh, weight changes that were like, you know, by no means would I ever call my wife fat. And I like how she is now for sure. Um, but it was like, wow. I mean, it was like, okay, as a paramedic at the time, too, an active paramedic. And it's like, look, medically speaking, something's not right here. You just retained a whole lot of weight that you didn't have before. And you're not eating any different. And we're active. And and so that physically messed with her. And then other birth control, we weren't really sure how it was affecting her after that. And, man, I could do a whole show on doctors and, and how you need to con- really trust yourself and find that doctor who really clicks with you, but that's a whole other show. But so it took a year and a half to, to find, and we didn't care. We truly didn't care what 
the sex of our firstborn child was. We already knew we were going to have multiple children, or at least try. But no, you know what? This is about bending the universe to my will. So we knew we were going to have multiple children. It was never a doubt. It was just one of those things. And that's why visualization just doesn't work for me. I can sit here and look at the, in Georgia, this is where I am in the state of Georgia, we have big boards, uh, billboards that have the lottery up there and it has a digital number so it can change constantly and you'll see it when they draw on friday you'll see either number go down because somebody won or you'll see it go up instantly after the drawing because nobody won so there's always out there and i can look at that board and i can i can envision what it's like to have the freedom because i truly believe money is freedom and it's clicked with me that money is freedom i can truly believe that when I have a large amount of money, how I can change the world. Because we already do that with a little amount of money. I mean, we we are, I don't even know what the poverty line is, but we're definitely below the medium income of the United States for, for families, especially families of my size. And yet we still are able to help people. The church would say we're able to bless people. And to be honest, I'm not going to even mock the word bless in that, that sense. I mean, when you need help and somebody comes along and helps you, Dude, it is the best blessing, the best thing in the world. You feel blessed. However, when people hashtag blessed, they're idiots, and they usually are just talking about their chicken that they got for that day's lunch. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, I truly believe that money is freedom. I can look at that billboard and go, "How? Oh, what?" And it's a mental exercise, too. What good can I do with that? I mean, obviously, I would run through the Dave Ramsey. Well, not obviously to you, but for me. I, you know, I'm talking to myself. Obviously, I'm running through the Dave Ramsey steps. Pay off all my debt, pay off, you know, buy us a, a decent house, you know, build this house, whatever we want, get the kids' college funds taken care of. And then beyond that, of course, how would I bless or help, you know, the, the people around me? You know, I'd obviously fund Giant Size Team Up Network as a full time business and all of us would start working full time for it. Uh, I would do 10% to the, the faith-based project that I'm a part of as a tithe, but I also take the people who've helped me in my life in that project and give them money directly. You know, I go through all these things in my head and yet I haven't, I haven't hit the lottery and yet my wife and I will talk through things, these things. We do them on the scale that we can now. So that's why I like envisioning things. Just I, it, it, that part doesn't ring true for me. Sitting in a chair and making room noises and pretending to drive, that rings so bullshit false to me, it's not even funny. Compared to the reality that I know, which is, let me go back to my story about the children and bending the universe to my will. I always just kind of, I was the firstborn male in my my household. I was the firstborn kid, period, but obviously I'm, I'm a dude. Um or I identify as a dude. I don't know how to. <laughs> I just say sex is sex. Sometimes you can change it. When you change it, uh, I will respect you. But the people. Side note, because I've touched on this, and I have to feel like I have to clarify. You know what? Screw it, Mike. Let's just cut that part out. I'll just stay on track. I'm staying on track. So, while I truly knew it wasn't important that my firstborn child be a son, I just always had that religion in me of of. You know, the firstborn son got you know the kingdom and and blah 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 blah. So it didn't really matter. But then I did have a son, so we knew we wanted a, a son and a daughter. We didn't know how many kids we were going to have total. We knew we were going to have multiple, probably more than two, but we weren't entirely sure, and we weren't entirely sure when. And when I had my son, after a year and a half of trying, it was awesome. And instantly we both knew, okay, when we have the next one, 
we want a little girl. That's probably most families in the world. You know, they want the balance or whatever. We He was nine months old. And, of course, I could go through all kind of new dad stories and, and new parent stories and blah, blah, blah. But at, at maybe six months in, my wife and I are just standing over him sleeping at night in his crib. And, and of course, you know, all cozy and I have my arm around her, some some TV bullshit, right? And I mean, I, tr- I did. It, it, it is. It was true, but it was still some TV bullshit. Um, and we're looking at him like, I, I just said, it just, I just knew. I said, I could have another one right now. And she goes, Yeah, me too. I'm like, Really? Okay. And we, I said, Well, let's not rush into it. Let's, let's talk for a day or two and really make sure it's just not some chemical thing going on in our brains. We're looking at a beautiful baby who's sleeping. So therefore, he's not demanding our time and, you know, all that other stuff. And we did. We waited a few days. We went, no, we, we, there's something in us that says, now's the right time. Now's, now's the time. And so we said, okay, let's start trying again. And by the time he was nine months old, uh, my wife was pregnant. And by the time my daughter was born, and we said, it's going to be a girl. It is going to be a girl, without a doubt. We never had a shadow of a doubt. It's going to be a girl. And that's what I'm saying. That's why envisioning is different than than knowing. I mean, seeing something is not the same as envisioning something. I can envision. I can envision me flying. I can envision me being a a, a three hundred pound Venice Beach weightlifter. That's not the same thing as seeing. I can see things, man. I gotta tell you, sometimes my brain feels like it touches the multiverse. And if you don't know what multiverse is, you're you're not a comic geek, and that's okay. Just imagine different realities. There are definitely times I could tell stories that you you might need a beer or two or something else to get you through to go. If you're not ready to hear it, you're just going to think I'm crazy, and that's okay. But I, I there are definitely times my brain touches the multiverse, man, and I can see different things that could be happening or maybe should be happening that don't happen here in this reality. And that's a that's that's just a, I'm not even sure what that is moment. Um, so I don't have a whole story on it anyway, but. In this case, it was just never doubt. We saw, period. We're having a girl. We just we just knew. It didn't matter. Everybody's like, oh yeah, don't do, 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 don't get your hopes. It's like it's not hopes. It's, it's, you can't explain it to people who don't get it. You can't explain it to people who don't understand how to bend the universe to their will. How to understand how to walk in that law of attraction. How to see the reality that is, not the reality that people perceive, but the reality that is. And that I do kind of tie it to the Matrix. Go watch the Matrix. One, it's a great movie. If you just like action, it's great action. But if you want something great, philosophical, something that really illustrates the law of attraction, go watch that movie. Because by the end, you, you he he can see the code that makes up that universe of the Matrix inside the computer. He can see the code. He becomes the code at some point. I mean, he he stops bullets not by some big show of force. Just like hmm, no. And shh, everything stops, and they just kind of fall, and he just walks past it. You know, he, he starts doing things that that everybody, including the people in the true reality, went, "How the fuck did he do that? What the hell is going on? You know, that's not even supposed to be possible." And oh, well, that's not true. Some of them believed. You know, some people believed. Anyway, my point is, nobody around us believed, and we were like, "No, we're, we're having a girl." And sure enough, we had a girl. And they're 18 months apart, which plays into another factor of my wife and I both come from a family of two kids. 
a, a brother and a sister. I'm the older brother in my family. My sister's three years younger than me. We had a shit relationship. We still have a shit relationship. We can talk about family relationships sometime on this show. It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying we can talk about anything on the show. Uh, but my my best friend, there were actually three children in his family, but his older brother had, um, I always get this wrong, there's muscular dystrophy and muscular sclerosis. He had the one that kills young people. He died by the time he was 20, 21, somewhere in there. But he, has the, he had the degenerative one. So early on, when he was young, they, he was diagnosed with it. Uh, I think through high school, he was on crutches to help walk. By the time I met him after high school, I think maybe he graduated in a wheelchair. I don't remember. But by the time I met him, he was in a wheelchair full time. And he died uh, within a year or two of me meeting him. Uh, I am I am b- roughly the same age of, as the middle brother Douglas, and, and he's my best friend. And then Douglas had a little sister who was three years younger than him, and they never got along. My wife is three years younger than her brother, and they had a, a strange relationship. They get along, but it's definitely not what you would consider a a great relationship. And we just said, okay, we've got to change this with our children. Either they have to be close together or they have to be far apart. Because that's in our experiences with other families, that has worked. When the child is more than three years apart, you know, four or five years apart, they're old enough to help take care. There's just something in the brain that's different. And they tend to get along better. The young one, you know, can idolize the older one. They they really seem to get along. And Or if they're close together, that seems to work too. Well, we just didn't force it. The time was right. They were close together 18 months. And sure enough, man... They were best friends. Now they're 11 and my daughter's about to be 10. And so they're starting to hit the puberty thing and and starting to hit the preteen thing. And it's a little different, but they're still pretty damn close to each other as far as being friends and friendly and, and connected. When my daughter was born, we knew it was time to stop having children for now. Just knew. Just it's, it's, it's right. And part of that is just instinct. Just listen to yourself. You know, we put way too much emphasis on God. Okay? Brace yourself, children. Brace yourself. Buckle in. Fuck God. It's about you. Let that sink in for a second. And I said that intentionally to to hit the brakes hard on the way your mind's going, the way your teachings have t- are, are telling you, the, the way your brain's racing. So you'll shut up and listen for a second. Because you feel a different, it's not a negative thing. I'm not mad at God. You can call it God, you can call it universe. I do like the word God. I like the idea of a consciousness out there actually having a plan and, and doing something specific. That's part of my faith. Is my faith different than Islam? No, we can find connection. Is my faith different than than Buddhism? No, we can find that connection because it's... it's we, if you truly believe in a Christian God, then you fucking cannot perceive what God really is because it says that in the Bible. You can't look at God. You can't know God. You know, and yet we try to wrap our brain. No, my God is this and Allah is that. And, and fuck you, man. Because religion does play into this whole law of attraction because it'll fuck your brain up. We, too many times, I live in the South in the Bible Belt. So when I say we, that's my experience is, oh my Lord. Please pray for me because I can't pay my bills this week. And, you know, we're, I'm telling you this over a big dinner at Outback where I'm buying alcohol and I'm buying my cigarettes after. Shut the fuck up. Quit going out to eat. 
quit dr- drinking because I like to drink. Nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's wrong with what we do with it sometimes. Quit buying this, the expensive cigarettes, at least. Now, I'm not against smoking. Yes, it's bad for you, but you should know that. You're an educated person. Maybe you started when you were uneducated and just thought it was cool. The fact of the matter is it will fuck your brain up. So when somebody's smoking and somebody's hating you, you're just being hated on. That's stupid. I know I'm going all over the place, but I'm hitting on some hot notes that people need to understand. Stop fucking with smokers. If they want to quit, invite them and help and be supportive. But I have plenty of friends who smoke. And anytime, especially if you're over 20 and have been smoking for more than 10 years and like, man, I should quit. I will immediately go into paramedic mode and go, if that's what you want, you need to understand why. Why do you want to quit? Is it because of health reasons? Is it because of society? Because fuck society. Because honestly, if you just quit, here's a little story for you. Here's a little bonus edition story for you. True story. I went to pick up a man at a hospital. We were transporting them on the ambulance from the hospital to what's called hospice. Hospice is where you go to die. And in gentle care with medical attention because they try to keep you pain free. But it's where you go to die. Period. Sometimes hospice is at home. Sometimes it's in care facilities. And I went to pick this dude up, and Jesus Christ, he was mid forties, maybe fifty at the young, at the oldest, and he just looked like shit. And he he was overweight in the sense that his belly was was called distended; it sticks out, and his body was weirdly shaped. and And he told his story to me, and his family's still there. I mean, they're bawling, they're sad, as you should be. I mean, he's dying, and they're sad, and I, I get that. And his daughter, one of his daughters was still there going, oh, daddy, I just wish you'd quit sooner. I wish you'd quit sooner. A year, almost to the day prior to this, of me taking him to go die, he had quit smoking. Let's just say he's 50. So at 49, after smoking for 20 some odd years, he quit smoking. And it's because his daughter, and he told me, and you could tell it hurt him. That his daughter was just like, you don't love me, daddy. You don't want to live to see me have children. You don't, 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 don't. It just pounded him into quitting. And he did quit. He quit. I don't know if it's cold turkey, if it's a program, but basically he quit. And in that year since then, he developed so many medical problems. And I forget what they all, what they were, but he developed these problems and these issues to the point that he is now fucking literally dying. Now what? Because... Did did smoking keep everything? He wasn't dying of cancer. It wasn't like he was dying of lung cancer. And, oh, God, if you just quit earlier. No, he's dying of other stuff. I don't remember what. And I probably couldn't tell you anyway because of legalities and stuff. But my point was he had smoked for so long, his body needed it. His body needed the nicotine. And I don't think they had they, – this is before vaping. They had patches. They had gum. But I don't think he was even doing that. And the thing was, I'd seen it too many times of somebody who smokes for a very, very long time. It will literally, science has shown, it will literally physically change your brain. And at some point that gets locked in and you stop feeding that part of the brain. It starts taking chemicals from other places. What I'm saying, people, is if you love somebody and they're a smoker, love them that they smoke. Love that they drink. Love whatever they are because that's who they are 
stop trying to fix them because you might just fuck shit up and they might you might lose them in a year and it's just this hardcore belief see that's part of the law of attraction too this hardcore belief of oh my god because you do xyz because you drink, because you smoke, because you're a sinner, because you live a lifestyle that's different than mine, because you see the world differently, because you're a Republican and I'm Democrat, or yeah, whatever. Hold on, Mike. I put a marker. I didn't put a marker in another one. I put a marker there. Sorry. Cool. Because you just see it this way, and because you, you're, you're the judger, right? And so you are the one speaking here in my voice to your loved one because you do this you're gonna die you're gonna blah 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 you're gonna rotten hell i'm gonna lose everything with you i want you to be different you're absolutely gonna lose everything because you believe that reality and god man i find so much of that in religion with with even in my family i think it's backed off a lot i think there's been some things that my mom was like oh my god he's not going to church he's gonna he's all this bad stuff and then my life has gotten better and she's she's having to deal with what that's that's not how the bible works i don't understand it's religious belief but that's just one aspect of things if you believe it like this daughter of this person who was dying a year after they quit smoking she believed that she was gonna lose him well guess what she lost him because she forced him into her reality. And that's something we all have. We have our own realities. And they say perception is reality. And that's, that is partially true. And, and God, man, I don't have the time to go into everything. Oh, shit. I'm talking faster than I do. I do have the time to go into stuff. All right. Let's do this. When, when you believe. I'm trying to pull up a personal story because my brain wasn't prepared for this this slight change. Okay, yeah, I got one now. My wife comes from a family of divorce. I come from a family that stayed together. And her father, I'm just trying to stick to the facts. He's a good man. He's back in their lives. He does what he can. We all have damage. Let me lay down this line. Let me lay down this line. We all have damage in our lives. We've all taken lessons from things that we shouldn't have taken. We've all been taught lessons that shouldn't have been taught. And the difference is when you're young and a quick story is I found $5 when I was, let's just say eight years old, I found $5 on my, my, I had this table in my room. Don't know why I was looking there. I was supposed to be in bed. I was dicking around, found $5 on my table. It's this treasure of Sierra Madre, right? It's the, the million dollar lottery, $5. Oh my God. Ran out of my room. Should have been sleeping. My son, bless his heart. Rylan, my third born, <laughs> he does this all the time. He's, he, he brought me some toys last night out of his room. Like, oh, here, daddy, these are, I'm like, you're supposed to be in bed. This is a, a, what he doesn't know it consciously, but subconsciously it's an excuse to get up and do something. I think I was doing the same thing at this point, but that's, that's neither here nor there. But I, I ran out down the hall, show my mom, I got $5. Oh my God. And I, I mean, I'm losing my mind excited. And for whatever reason, my mom decided to remind me Right then in that second, instead of waiting for the next day and, and, and guiding me gently, she decided to slam the brick wall into my face and go, hey, yeah, you owe me money for these books. I don't remember if it was a fine for the library or some you know school book sale that I had her buy a book that I was going to pay her back. And, and 
the premise of it is she's teaching me responsibility, and there's nothing wrong with that. It was the timing of it. I mean, it just it slammed me. It took away my joy. It ripped it away, and I'm crying. And apparently in the process, I dropped the money. And my mom has such a fucking damaged issue with money. God, dude. Okay, the real quick thing is is she used to do Bible verses about money is evil. Money is the root of all evil. Well, that's a misquote. That is a fucking misquote as, as much as anything any politician ever says. The love of money is the root of all evil is what I believe it says. And even then, I think if you go further around the verses and read context, you're going to get something totally out of it. Anyway, she used to quote that to money is the root of all evil. Well, in this moment when I'm crying, apparently I dropped my money. She picks it up and throws it on the table like, you've lost your precious money. And just she was so mad at me because she thought I was just in love with the money when reality was it was just this joy that she'd stolen. So. I don't know exactly how that plays in, but fast forward to when I'm with my wife and my perception is I have to protect my joy. This story, the story is going a little differently than what I thought. I thought I was going to talk about her father. Oh, I was using that story to illustrate. We all have damage. My mother had damage and lessons that, that were taught to her about money. What she was trying to teach me was two things. Responsibility. Hey, Great. Now you can fulfill your responsibility. But I was young and didn't understand that. And she stole my joy in that moment. The second thing was she thought she was trying to teach me. She was mad at me and angry because I loved money. And she was trying to beat into me that money was evil, which makes you fucking poor. That's the law of attraction. Your brain and your belief system tells you money is evil. Guess what you will never have? Any fucking money. You know what my brain teaches me in my life and my soul and everything about me says? Money is freedom. The more money I have, the more freedom I have to change the world and to do great things and great works in this world. And I'm living below the median income. I don't think I'm at the poverty level. I think I'm above poverty level. But I'm at the I'm below median income and yet I'm still able to look around and go, I have a good life. I have a great life. I have freedom in my life. With what what money slash freedom I have, I live free. And I love it. So I told that story to, to, to show damage. That's what I was showing. So we take lessons. A lesson I took from that, she tried to teach responsibility. And then she tried to teach a horrible lesson of money is evil. The lesson I took was you steal my joy. And I shouldn't have taken that. And I did, and I had to deal with that. I, I, I've told that story so many times. I could walk you down how to, to, to therapize yourself. I know I made up that word. Uh, but I went through some therapy, and they taught me a process of memories and what does that tell you about yourself now and what does that tell you about yourself then and blah, 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 blah. I could walk you through that at some point. Uh, if 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 we if the audience listening really wants that show because we're going to need some specific steps to go through. We'll do that show, that episode. Um, but I took the lesson that I shouldn't have taken, and it it fucked my life up to the point that I got in a major fight with my wife who was trying to protect me from rotten-ass people that I was attracting in my life. And I told her she's stealing my joy, and then we went from there and so on and so forth. But the whole point of that story is to show we all take lessons and we all are taught lessons. And we have to filter through what we actually understand and believe. So I believed that, because my family had stayed together, that I knew more about being married than my wife did. 
And this is all part of law of attraction. It's all part of, of what we, our realities, our perception of our reality. See, I, I don't truly believe perception is reality. I think perception is what we understand of it. And because of it's what we understand of it and we refuse to change our perception, we operate in it. Because of that, we will bring in more things to enforce that reality. And we won't look for things that change or break that reality. Going back to the matrix, we won't look for the black cat glitch that it walked through. Then all, again, it, it walked through again. Like, uh-oh, the matrix is glitching. That means something bad is about to happen. It means... It really means in that movie that the bad guys are right there and they're about to fuck you up. Um, we don't look for those glitches in the matrix that break our perception. We look for the things that enforce our perception. But reality is. And reality is fluid. It can be changed. I, I know I grew up reading comics, but I fully believe we only use part of our potential. We, we said there's so much in the DNA that it's not even mapped that we don't understand. Uh, I remember being a kid. Now, I'm not quoting this as real. I'm just quoting this as fun. This is just a fun little thing, okay? I remember as a kid being told, and I don't remember if I was being taught or if somebody just made it up, but we have so much different DNA, we don't know what a lot of it is, and some of it could be alien, you know, blah, 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 blah. We only know parts of DNA, and we have uh, dormant strands and blah, 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 blah. But my reality is we totally could fly. We could be superheroes. We could change reality. We could... We could be a society, <clears throat> excuse me, a society in a world that comes together in harmony and then goes out and explores the universe. We could easily be that. We're in an echo chamber right now in history that that brings us horrible things like mass shootings, and it brings us horrible things like people online celebrating that this time a shooter went after queers instead of normal people. That's that's the society because that's the perception that is being fed and it's in an echo chamber and it's just reverberating and it's getting louder and louder and it will break. All moments in history break. All bad things will end and good things survive and go better. Do bad things come back? Absolutely. Because it's so much easier to have an echo chamber on bad. It's so much harder to do good. But this too will pass. This will break and we will become a better society. Maybe not in my lifetime. Who knows? But we will change it. Well, actually, you know, there's a whole thing about I won't die. That's all. That's, maybe I'll touch on that in the, the show. But coming, pulling it back in. So my wife and I, my my perception of my reality at this moment in the story was I knew more about family than she did. I knew more about being married because her father had left. And she grew up with a single mom. And she had rough this and rough that. And I just kept envisioning in my mind this fight that was coming that, I was just going to have to break this reality on her about how her dad left her. And therefore she doesn't understand what it's like and to have a husband and a father and blah, blah. And the fight came because I kept envisioning that the fight would come. And the second I said the words to her, I realized how fucking stupid it was. And I don't remember the results of the fight. Obviously we stayed married. We're, we're good now. And this was early on. This is, this is early on before I even started, before we went to counseling. This is early before I started working on my own shit. And I, I, I said it to her, expecting her to be like, oh, you're right. You're just, you're just this wonderful leader of the family, and you're right. Because it was stupid. It was stupid to even think that, to even imagine that reality. It was fucking stupid. 
and I said whatever I said to her about how she doesn't understand how marriage is supposed to work because her daddy left her. And all I did was hurt her. And all I did was show her how fucking stupid I was. But that was the law of attraction. That is the shit we live in all the time because I perceived this to be truth. I lived out of it. However, her reality was a different truth. I didn't say it was wrong. I didn't say I was wrong. I lived in my truth. She lived in her truth. And because here was the ultimate changing factor. I wanted us to be in our truth, our reality. And so we can disagree on things. We can see things differently. But once we started coming together to work on our reality, our reality changed. Our lives got better. Our interactions got better. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of work. And over the course of this show, you'll hear a lot of these stories of the work I did and the things that changed and the details and all this. Bringing us back to bending the universe to our will. We all do it. We all, that, that's why I spent that time to explain the law of attraction and how we reinforce our realities. When I worked around somebody who just fucking was dead into politics and just every chance he got, he would argue politics. I saw more and more politics in my world because that was his reality. And that was, we touch everybody's realities. We'll see parts of it. It's a Venn diagram, if you want, where... Our reality is one thing and, and their reality and it starts intersecting and we'll get pieces of it. And so for a good year, year and a half, I had to deal with politics and I discussed politics and I knew more about politics than I ever had in my life or ever will again because fuck politics is stupid as shit. I don't vote. I don't want to be a part of it. You broke the machine. Reality is way better than politics. Just saying. Bend the universe to your will. You ain't got to worry about who the fuck the president is. Obama's been a president for eight years almost now. I mean, he's coming to the end of his term, his second term. And my life has still been my life. And my reality has still moved forward. And I've become more and more and more the rock out of podcasting every day. It had nothing to do with who the president was. When George Bush was in office, I still lived my life. Guess what? Gas went up to four goddamn dollars a gallon in the South, maybe higher somewhere else. And I couldn't afford to drive to work. I became a motorcycle rider. And guess what? I had a hell of a lot of time, a hell of a lot of fun doing it during that time. And I did it rain or shine, and I could afford to live because my reality does not fucking rely on who the politics are. I bend the universe to my will. I will flow around your bullshit reality. I My reality is stronger than yours until you understand your reality. Because when you just perceive something and you attract it, you'll be a small, small world, and I can move around you. I can flow. Reality is fluid, and I can flow through it. There is a book that's not quite what I'm talking about, but I still love it, by Dean Koontz, called The Eye of the Beholder. And in it, it, Dean Koontz always writes these supernatural fiction thrillers that always have, to me, they always have a good guy tone to them. Some of them are a little more supernatural than others, but they all have this aspect of, of... something going on outside of perceived reality. And in this particular book, the child of the story could see between the raindrops. He could walk between the raindrops. He he became this, this version of like a spirit walk. It, it, it's hard to explain, go read it. But the idea was that fluid of fluidity of reality. 
in that perception in the law of attraction. He could he could flow in and out. Of course, his big superhero story kind of came and went, and it was, it was an epic tale of of ages and and from him being a child to being an adult to having his own children and and walking through different realities and it, it was really cool. And you should read it if you if you like that kind of thing. It's really good. I kind of see myself as that sometimes. These things, these things have always touched me. These things have always rang in my life. And it wasn't just such an entertaining story. It's like, no, there's something to this. There's a bigger lesson to learn out of this parable. And everything is a parable to me. Movies, life, books. You can learn from everything. I loved Unbreakable by M. Night Shyamalan. I loved uh, the twist and it was good. I, I thought it was great. But I liked the fact that Comic books are inspired by history and truth. I loved that concept. All, all, all stories have a bit of truth in them. That's what makes it entertaining. All great lies have truth mixed in. All great stories have some truth mixed in. They're based off of something. You know, we could get into ancient aliens. We could get into, we can get into ancient cultures and, and beliefs and, and man, all kind of stuff. I want to bring it back to bending the universe of my will and finish the story about my children being born. So my wife and I, I think you understand enough about law of attraction, where I stand on, on realities and how we mix and this and that and the other. And there's just these times there's, I can't do it all the time. Trust me, man. When I was losing my house, if I could, if I could have, tapped into the the core fluid of reality and said, I, I'm going to change this path and we're going to keep our house and we're going to make the, all the money in the world and, and things are going to be great. I, I would have, I would have. But here's the other thing. In order to change the, in order to bend the universe to your will, you have to be true to your vision. And my vision, my wife's vision has always been we want the best life possible for us and our children. We want what I envision of me being ultimately happy is just doing my shows all the time, getting paid to be that personality, to get and go and touch people from a stage and be on panels and just touch lives and educate and share the reality that I see and in a positive way, help others be awesome. You know, those words came from success freaks and that, that is a resonating phrase in my life. And so I stick true to that no matter what goes on today, no matter what hardships I go through, I stick to that vision of the ultimate reality of where we need to be to change the world. I am the next Steve Jobs. I am the next Oprah Winfrey. I am the next Jim Henson. How I'm getting there is the path that I'm getting there. And the universe gets that. God gets that. We're on the same page. So I have to go through some shit to get out of where I was. And where I was was in a place that couldn't support the family. So I stay true to the vision, and if I could have stayed true to the vision and kept the house, I would have done it. The reality is, though, because I, I held on to the ultimate reality, we went through some hardships and some really fucking dark times and hard times, and we're in a place now that we, we go, this is so much better. My wife wants a reality where she doesn't have to worry, worry about money, where she can have the children do all these great experiences, and that's something that she and I have always been on the same page on, is experience is better than everything else in life, bar none. Experience is everything. When Christmas time came, we could not buy them presents. We had, well, we had to make a choice. Buy them some little presents 
or do this family experience. We, we go to a place called Stone Mountain in Georgia, and every year they have, we call it Christmas Town. They call it something else, but they're dumb. They should call it Christmas Town because it's fucking awesome, and it's called Christmas Town. So, because <laughs> it is, it's this little fucking shop area that's all Christmas. I mean, it's Christmas Town. It's what it is. Um, we go there every year. We started that. Uh, my wife and I were doing that before uh, when we were married, when we, before we had children. So if I, uh, let me throw this out to the audience. If I ever call it my single days, that's never about being single. It's about before we had children, when my wife and I were together. Because I'll say, my wife and I, when we were single, we used to do this or in our single days. Not when we were single. I'll say in our single days. It's because we think pre-children that way. We're together. We were one. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so anyway, we chose the experience. We chose, we're going to pay for this experience and go together and because we also know that the extended family, the in-laws and the outlaws will buy presents for the kids. We also know that last year's present may be really cool. And they'll remember that experience of getting what they wanted. That is an experience and it's valid. But that the, the, the gift, the physical gift itself will go away. So we chose to do the experience of Christmastown. And the kids love it. We do that every year. We we And we probably will. I mean, it's just one of those things that... No matter how old our kids have gotten, they look forward to it every year. Are we going to Christmas Town? Is it that time yet? Because they know they'll get stuff. This experience. Experience is everything. It helps you understand your reality. Because when you have new experiences that you never could have perceived, you never could have seen coming, it changes how you see reality. Then it changes, quote unquote, it changes your reality. Right, it changes you to a different track, to a different shift. You flow into a different mindset. And that whole point about experiences was if we hadn't lost the house and been forced to move, we moved to where we are, which is in a city now. Because before we were 45 minutes away from everything one way. It's 40, 45 minutes to drive into town to get groceries, to do anything. But now the life that she wanted, that freedom to give them experiences because of where we live, the kids are getting to go to three summer camps on scholarships so we'd have to pay a damn thing the two older kids are my younger my younger son ryland is getting to go to a pre-k camp this year they're getting to do vacation bible schools two a week so one in the morning one at night and they're getting to have all these experiences that were impossible where we were so while in the moment the darkness was there and the pain was there we were losing our home that all four children had been born in we're losing the home that my wife and I had literally built. Now, we didn't do it by hand, but we we found the contractor. We approved the plans. It was built for us. In that moment of losing that, of course we would have chosen to try to keep it. I fought hard to try to keep it. But because we were true to who we wanted to be, the life we wanted to have, the positive, amazing life that we wanted to have, we went through all that. And it was rough and it was hard, but it got us to where we needed to be to have what we wanted. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm saying? If you truly want what you want, you will get it. And you'll think I'm going through this shit storm. Why? When I can bend the universe to my will, when I can have the children I want to have, why is this happening now? It's because you are bending the universe to your will. You're getting what you want. I wanted to be the rock guy of podcasting. And because of where I am, I get to fucking go to Dragon Con every year for free as a professional. Because it's in my backyard. 
because I got what I wanted. My wife gets to give the children free experiences all the time because we went through that shit and got what we wanted. Bad is not bad. Bad sometimes is just the goddamn birthing pains, the growing pains, the shifting gears without a clutch. You know, we grinded some gears, ground, grinded. I don't know. We did some bad shit to our gears when we lost the house, but it got us to where we needed to be. So this, all my children were born before that moment, the hardships moment. Okay. So keep that in mind because I'm going to go back now and finish my story about bending the, when I first came up with the idea of bending the universe to my will. So a couple years go by just having two children and it was great. And of course, as they get older, they get easier as far as investment of, of having to do things and getting more into the education and, and explaining ideas to them thing and, and doing more fun stuff and playing games, blah, blah, blah. It came to a point where I don't remember, honestly don't remember who said it first, but my wife and I basically at the same time universally went, I think we could have another kid now. And we wanted balance. There was always this thing about balance. We didn't want three children. It's either two children, four children, six children, you know, something even. Two boys, two girls. That's, that was, I don't know, it was just something we wanted. And so we said, okay, time to have a kid. Now, I got an app for that, right? And I, I, this, the shows might be floating out there somewhere. It's back when I was doing um, bear crawling, I think. And No, I quit bear crawling. My daughter was born. So I was doing some other show. must have been Success Freaks or something. I don't know. But there's stuff out there where I'm talking about having an app to get my wife pregnant because that's what I did. I mean, it was in the day and age of having smartphones and apps. And and so I we could figure out when the best time to get pregnant was. And very quickly, she got pregnant with my son, Ryland. And <laughs> I was working from home and getting tons of overtime. I mean, I was making money. But... Uh, um. We didn't have insurance. I couldn't afford insurance. And that's a whole, that will go, if we ever talk politics, Mike, if we ever talk politics, we're going to talk politics, religion, and insurance all at the same time. Because we'll get all that bullshit out and be done with it. Insurance is a scam. And I'm not saying there's not good things that don't happen from it. I think there's just better ways to do it. Insurance as a business is a scam. It, it's horrible. And we didn't have it. I refused to participate in it. I'm not going to spend my money on that. And I couldn't afford it either. It's so goddamn expensive. It would have broken me to have it. So we're going to pay cash for our child. So we know this. And the second she gets pregnant, we contacted her OBGYN and said, hey, this is the point. How much is it to come in and get an, you know, find, you know how much is it to come in and get an exam and this and that? And, and we're going to control every aspect of it. And plus, there's also knowing your doctors and how to control your doctors because they need to be controlled. Doctors are good, but they we let them have this God complex. We feed their God complex. They may not even think they're God, but when we go to them like, please tell me how to run my life, what are they going to do? They're going to tell you how to run your life because that's what you want. It all plays into the law of attraction. All right. So we were going to pay money for them. And I saw this thing coming. I was like, hmm. So I'm willing to pay money for my child. I am good with that. But for some reason, we stopped getting overtime, which kind of made that harder to do. But it put me in a lower tax bracket. And uh, we were at the time, we, we have um, peace care for kids. Uh, we have insurance for the children through the government. It is a government insurance. And at the time, I was paying a very minimal amount. Right now, I'm not paying anything. I'm, hitting, I'm underneath the tax bracket that pays, so I get free insurance for my kids. And 
there is a mother and child insurance along those lines for pregnant women. And we started losing our overtime, which made it a lot more difficult to do. So short story is I said, man, we're going to lose overtime until we get the insurance for you to have this child. And then we're going to get overtime. And I swear to God, Mike, the day, the day that we got approved for insurance, for insurance for my wife to have Ryland overtime came in that night swear to you monday morning or whatever day of the week is this is monday monday morning we got you're approved you have insurance until you know the child is born and then a year after and you're good that night they're like hey can you work overtime and then overtime came for tons of time after that it was perfect so we had a son Again, we didn't care what the sex of the child was. We just knew it was going to be a healthy kid. And and both my boys, the the OBs were like, oh, my God, there's an issue. You need to go to a specialist. Both specialists like, there could be problems. We'll check them out after they're born. And both times went, nope, they're going to be fine. And both times they were fine. As soon as they're born, they're like, oh, yeah, there's no problems. That's fine. So have a son. Nah, six, six, seven months in, we're like, again, we're like, hey, we could have another one. I mean, on the same page, universally, boom, the moment happens. Let's try to have another one. We're going to have a girl. I have two boys and two girls. And no point did I ever doubt that was going to happen. No point. By the time I was having a girl, my second daughter, Zoe, I was in the church called Church in the Now, working under the bishop, uh, Jim Swilly, who was really dealing with these concepts at the time and touching it himself and really getting into it. I still work with him under a project called Metron Now. You could look that up. I run all the video and audio for that. So whatever you see, that's my production. I'm very proud of it. Uh, what he says, of course, is his production, and, and I'm, he, he says some really cool stuff, and he's really helped me grasp some larger concepts. But I remember saying the phrase to him first, we were out to dinner, and it was after we'd had our baby girl, and he was talking about family. He has four kids, too, and he was talking about family and this and that, and the story came out, and I just offhandedly said, well, yeah, my wife and I, we've been to universe to our will. And he's like, what? Wait, what? Whoa, what? And I had to explain all this stuff to him, and he, he's like, oh, my God, that's such an amazing thing, concept, and it opened up a world for me. I hope it open up, opens up some new reality for you because the reality was we were going to have a kid, and it was going to be paid for. We were going to pay cash because we weren't going to go through traditional means. We we're going to pay cash. We'll get paid for through the government insurance. And now it's fine. My daughter was the same way. But when we had a second son, we went, we will have a girl. There was never a doubt. That was the reality we knew. That was the reality we saw. That's the reality we got. And that's long story that I enjoyed telling. I hope you enjoyed listening to. That long story was the, the true meaning behind we bend the universe to our will. There are moments where you can see it shift. There are moments where you go, why am I attracting this kind of thing? And there are moments when if you really don't understand it, you're like, what the hell's happening to me? Why is life taking a shit on me? Why is things going bad? It's all the same. We all bend the universe to our will. We all. Final story. Final story. Hopefully, if, if none of that got you, if it was just kind of entertaining, fun ride, kind of crazy, this dude is weird, but you got to hear it, whatever, maybe this final story will give you something. There was a guy who had such a small reality. His name was Bill. Bill had such a small reality. 
he could never break from it. Everything had to be like this. And it was just, God, man, you'd stand next to him without him saying anything. You just start feeling tight. You start feeling weird. I'm like, man, go stand over there. You can't, uh uh-uh. I have this big freedom flow thing going on and you're making me feel tense and tight and get away from me. And that was his reality. And I asked him to build a specific cable for me and that we pay for him. And I was trying to educate, he runs his own business, not doing this. He runs his own business doing something else, but he, he runs his own business. So he should understand how to quote things and how to do things. And I said, I was specifically trying to help him walk through business steps saying, I'm commissioning you to build this for me. I want you to quote me what it's going to cost, including your time. You know, even if you have the supplies in your shop, those are your supplies. What are the costs for the supplies and what's the cost for your time? And quote me before you do anything. Sure enough, because I've known it for a long time, I was just trying to get him out of that tight reality into a little bit better one. It's just a baby step. All you had to do was follow instructions, and he didn't do it. Sure enough, he's like, I got your cable ready. And then, uh, you know, I thought, well, fuck, man. How much is it? Well, you know, he, he never would quote me anything. So I went to the bank because the, the, the project I was working on, they were paying for it. I was going to front the money. They're going to pay me back. And actually, they're going to pay me for my time to do it, whatever. It doesn't matter. So I went to the bank, pulled out $100. Because I know what the supplies should have cost, roughly. Even if he had them in the shop, I know what it should have cost. I know what his time should have been valued at. I was going to give him a hundred dollars, a hundred dollars in my pocket. I had it there. This is the universe. Okay. This is my illustration to you. This is a literal story. This is your story, but hopefully you'll understand how this works. So I show up now. I specifically said, I want a 100 foot cable or 75 foot cable. I can't remember a long cable. Cause I had to run it from the back of a room to the front of a room. As, and he had, he knew that he had he had been a part of the project originally, so he knew how long the original cable was that he built. So I said, I need a duplicate, I need a backup, I need to run this cable. And he I, he walks out to my car as I'm getting out to say, "Hey, I brought lunch." I was, you know, I bought him lunch. We were hang out. We did hang out, and he had this cable that's maybe six feet. I'm like, well, "What is that?" Oh, this is a cable. I was like what i specifically said i needed this cable and this and so at no point did he ever step out of his own reality had he stepped out an inch out of his own reality hundred dollars cash in his hand for something that cost him very little time and no money because he had the supplies and yet his tight reality of this is how it's going to be and i'm just going to do it 20 bucks and launch is what he got $20 $20 and launch. Because I asked him again, okay, man, what's the cost on that? He, and we're sitting in his shop of business where he has to quote prices to people all the time. What is, what what I owe you? Oh, yeah, whatever. It's, it's just, you know, uh, just $20 is what he got. And I walked out of there and put the rest of the money back in my bank and done. And, and that's your illustration of your reality. He could have had all this money, $100 cash. Okay, you want to make it big? Let's say $1,000 or $1 million. Whatever it is, it's sitting there. Your reality is sitting there. God, universe, yourself, it's there for you. It's, one, it's there. It's yours. All you have to do is go, I'll take it. Thank you. All he had to do was, here's your 75-foot cable. Thanks, man. Here, here's 100 bucks. 
All I had to do was, here's a quote. It's going to cost me 50 bucks to make it. I probably still would have paid him 100 bucks. All he had to do is say, eh, $40. And I would have given him more. I don't know if I'd give him 100 bucks if he had 40 because he made the short cable. He'd, he'd broken all the other steps. So as you break the steps, you're in reward, you're in desire, whatever, your reality shrinks. He never left his reality. He got 20 bucks. So hopefully that gets through to you. I, I don't know. That's that's me. That's me. If I was a preacher, that's me preaching. That's my reality. That's the world I live in. Come join me. It's a fucking better world to go through. I I, I sit in a house that's not my own that is is a lower rent house. It's a good house, but it's a lower rent house in a very low rent neighborhood. And yet I'm happy living the life, feeling like a rock star, knowing that I'll go ahead and put it out there to you, knowing that I filed my taxes for 2015 on $23,000 for a family of six. And yet I'm able to help people, give to people, do great things in my life. When you meet me, you might think that I'm rich because I don't feel constrained by money. Money is my freedom. I have a little freedom. I do what I can with it. When I have a lot of freedom, I'm going to fucking turn the world on its head. And, you know, that's going to be it for this week. If you want to have a question answered, go to charlesmcfall.com. There's a speak pipe tab that pops out and says, hey, we want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail. Email me at bearcrawling at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, rockgodofpod. You know, that's at rockgodofpod. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash rock god of podcasting. And you can message me there on Facebook at rock god of podcasting. All one word, of course. Get your questions to me. I'll answer them. I'll tell you the stories. And thanks for being part of my journey. <laughs>